0: to another episode of happy to meet cute I think hopefully we got that started just in time to cut off conversation about how bad my allergies have been lately um (laughs) and if you caught that well sorry they've been terrible and (laughs) I hate it
1: (laughs) it's the worst
0: it's the worst but this is Fallon Ballard here with my intrepid co-host Courtney Kaye on another gloomy cloudy morning is it cloudy for you No, this is the first
1: first time we've been divided.
0: I know, I have a feeling this is the kind of cloud, this happens a lot because I'm a little bit closer to the ocean where we get like cloudy mornings and then by the afternoon it's nice and sunny.
1: So hopefully for that. (laughs) Everyone tuning in is like, wow, so sad. (laughs) Here we go
0: with your stupid complaints about, I did tell- Close to
1: the ocean, wow. (laughs)
0: Like we've had a couple of warm days over the past couple days, and I told Matt, my husband, I was like, I hope you're ready for me to start complaining about how hot it is now that I'm done complaining about the rain. <laughs> we are never satisfied.
1: satisfied. I know
0: <laughs> The worst. I'm sorry, everyone. It's, it's <laughs> it, it truly is insufferable when people in Southern California complain about the weather, but we do it all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're just... Little baby.
0: Can't handle it. I need everything to be like a 75 and sunny all the time. And then I would be happy. Is that just too much to ask? No, it's not. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um How are you, my wonderful friend? I am good. I did something really dumb last night. <laughs> yeah. Spill it. Love dumb stuff. <laughs> so I got the inkling for this dumb thing actually a couple days ago and i was like no i just can't do it and so i was on the hbo app which is now max which is stupid um and i was like okay you know what i'm gonna try something new and so i watched like the first like 15 minutes of the last of us which i don't know if you know anything about this show but i was like All I've heard are amazing things. I have heard that episode three is going to absolutely destroy you, but that it's just like such a good show. Pedro Pascal is in it. Like, let's try this.
1: Here's what I I... know. Pedro Pascal, zombies,
0: crying. Yeah. That's all I know. But I was like, okay, let's give this a shot. Like zombies are not usually my thing, but like, let's do this. Courtney, I, 15 minutes in, I was like, I cannot watch the show. First of all, it opens with like, a talk show in like the 1960s with a bunch of scientists talking about the possibility of a global pandemic mm. and I was like mm-hmm. "Kate, no I'm triggered <laughs> yeah and then like 15-20 minutes into the show Pedro Pascal and his friend and his daughter are like trying to escape their little town in Texas oh to get away from these zombies and I had So much anxiety, Courtney, I'm not even joking you just like Mm -hmm. watching this 15 minutes of them like trying to leave but you can't go anywhere because all the car like everybody's trying to leave and there's just like helicopters everywhere and I was like, not that I believe the zombie apocalypse is coming, but there's a lot of real shit in this world that could lead us to this kind of situation where you're like trying to get out and you can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And just I was like, I cannot mentally handle this so i had to stop watching i was like i can't no, do it fair. i can't do it so then i was like all right well maybe i should just go with my original inclination which is the stupid thing that i did last night where i oh. flipped on over to game of thrones and started at episode one. Oh shit
1: <laughs> Retracking the road.
0: I know. And like Matt came in as I was watching and he's like, Why are you doing this to yourself? You know how this ends. You know it's just he's going to make you angry. And I was like, I know. I don't know why. I just like, I had the itch. And I don't know that I'm going to make it like all the way through the whole thing because it's just so long. And I know that the last like four episodes are going to make me irrationally angry. Um, but I just was like, I don't know. I just,
1: I just wanted
0: to watch Game of Thrones. I don't know
1: why. <laughs> mm, the road to ruin. I love how, um, I love how Matt is like, listen, I can't go through this again. Can't follow you here. <laughs> I mean, I basically destroyed the ending of that show for
0: him because he's probably one of those people that would have been like, okay, it wasn't great, but it was fine. But I was like, no.
1: <laughs> here's all the reasons why the patriarchy sucks yeah um but also okay not to like psychoanalyze but <laughs> there is something so comforting about watching a show that you already know yeah I mean you needed that it. after, yeah. after. <laughs> that traumatic event I no I mean gosh sometimes shows and books like this is such a good analysis of story because sometimes it's just hits us at a bad time yeah or a sensitive time or it's too close to something and we just can't do it as much as we yeah try
0: (laughs) it's totally true and I'm very interested to see if I do make it all the way through game of thrones if I have the same reaction to the ending that I did because I feel like it was just one of those shows that like there was no way to end it perfectly you know like there was just too much expectation and too many of my own thoughts and how I would have done it you know kind of like Mm -hmm. imposed on that so I am interested to see if I have a more tempered reaction to it now that I know what happens now that we're Mm -hmm. like you know have some time and distance I doubt it I still probably gonna hate it but (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. I'm I'm curious. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I will. Say it. So I did coordinated the bar mitzvah for someone very high up at Game of Thrones, their child. And it was very hard for me to look this person and his partner in the face and not just be like, You fucked up my favorite show. (laughs) Like, I really had to hold
1: myself back on that one. (laughs) This speaks multitudes of your professionalism. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, imagine all of us in that position being able to, like, have the opportunity to say something and you know you really you really Mm -hmm. held it together for us there and this it was still pretty fresh at that point so i really
0: i was proud of myself oh my
1: (laughs) god how funny would it have been like after the event to be like let's have a follow-up meeting and then just like (laughs) unleash all of it
0: No. Uh, no referrals
1: I, I, would come from that situation for you so good
0: call <laughs> you know bar mitzvahs are not really my jam anyway i kind of only tend to do them as like special favors and i'm not even sure how i ended up with this one um but well how come yeah. um, are is it a lot to plan yeah i mean it just I mean I actually probably am a good person for them because I used to teach junior high. So oh, awesome. I understand how 13-year-olds operate. Um but I don't always love how 13-year-olds operate, which is part of the reason why I'm no longer a teacher. So.
1: <laughs> okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> oh, Fallon. Well, hey, you you really held it together on multiple levels there.
0: I did. I uh it, you.
1: it was <laughs> you <yeah. laughs> yeah.
0: It was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I uh, I did not take it. Um, but that's probably a good thing. <laughs> in <the long> run. <laughs> I think if I saw this person again today, I might I might say something at that point. But
1: <laughs> yeah, you're off the record or whatever.
0: <laughs> enough time has passed; they're probably used to it by now. I would imagine.
1: Oh man. <laughs> um.
0: I am interested to to also pay attention to because I believe on Game of Thrones, it's only the two creators who ever wrote on the show. Like they're the only two people who ever wrote, as far as I know. And mm. I feel like at this point in time, that show is a great study into why you need a writer's room. And why you should not just have two white guys writing your whole entire series for you. Perhaps you should diversify a bit. Yeah. (laughs) And then you don't end up with super misogynistic and racist undertones
1: in your entire last season Uh, of your show. 100%. I wonder if at some point (laughs) you get going and it's getting praised and you get to this point as a cishet white male. And you think like, Oh, wow. Okay. We can do no wrong at this point. Right. Right. And so you yeah. just, you close yourself off to any sort of feedback or you think think you don't need feedback. And it's like, um, a really good broader study into like, you know, the systematic way of things. I don't know. Yeah. Am I getting too deep here? But I, I think, no it's a, it's a good example of many things like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, um,
0: I think as a writer, it's important to keep in mind that you always need feedback and you always need outside opinions. And I think you see this too, with some writers that get to the point where it's like, you can tell that their books aren't really edited. Mm. Like there's nobody being like, you need to cut this out or you need to take out three hundred word pages because this is too long like you know there's those certain authors that can kind of just do whatever they want and that's great for them but everybody needs to be edited
1: (laughs) i love how we are talking in uh subliminal messaging right now but um yes there are certain (laughs) authors (laughs) who um have it specifically in their okay this is what i have heard i have obviously never seen the actual contract and i'm not going to say who it is but if you know you know so (laughs) i have heard that there are certain authors who like have it in their contract that they cannot be edited like they cannot wild they can have 700 word doorstopper manuscripts and that's 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 it like that's what they wow just wow can you imagine yeah i I should not be edited (laughs) i just wouldn't
0: even want that like i look at like i'm in the middle of doing line edits for right on cue right now and it's like my editor is making my book better like that's literally her job yeah yeah i need her to be like this doesn't sound right or this doesn't make sense or you know this part is dragging on you need to cut this here like yeah, that's her whole job. And I need that to make me better. And I think turning that off, when you're in any creative field, turning off and turning away from feedback is just a huge mistake.
1: 100%. Oh, did I say 700 word? I meant 700 page, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, But also to your point, like as white people, especially like we need to be open to all kinds of feedback. Like I had this really great Um, conversation in this panel I was on um, with Bridget Morrissey and Amy Spaulding. And and there was a question that came up was like, why um, would you write from the point of view of like a BIPOC person? And all of us were like, well, no, (laughs) yeah, we wouldn't write from that point of view, but also because it's not like that microphone belongs to uh, like own voices. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. It, I'm not personally comfortable with with doing that. So, but we want our worlds to be diverse and reflect our friends and our family and our communities. And um, it, it takes a lot of responsibility as a white person, like to be able to do that and do it well and do it with care. And that's why we need to hire sensitivity readers and we need to do edits and we need, like, because there are so many things that are internalized from our system that we don't recognize until, like, you know, in sensitivity reads, I've been like, oh shit, yeah, like, obviously, things are unintentional. Like, we go in with the best of intentions, but. Um, it kind of doesn't matter if you put something out there that could potentially be harmful. So, like to be able to receive feedback with humility yeah. and be receptive of it to implement it, um, like something so like for example, in in the case of heartbreak, um, there is like use of sage, and. It had gone through a lot of different reads, even a sensitivity read, and it wasn't caught until an early reader was like, t- was so gracious and came and told me, um, you know, white sage is used as a sacred plant in indigenous ceremonies and cultures and religions. And um, <clears throat> like, it's been very commercialized in like yeah. great Instagram witchcraft, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, it was a real moment of, like, oh, my God, thank you. Like, because I was under the impression that the act of, like, smudging was. um, mm. But then to learn that the actual plant shouldn't be used as well, like, that was a real, like, moment of learning for me. Um, and I was able to change it for final drafts, but not for arcs, because it was too late. They'd already gone to print. But I was so grateful to that person. And I'm, I don't... <laughs> This is where, like, we're on the podcast. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking too much. But, like, I don't no. mean that all to say, like, oh my God, I am such a great person. I just mean, like, that's an example of a moment that I had to learn and be like, oh, thank you for telling me. Yeah. And I think when we stop the humility and the receptiveness, like, really, like, some harmful things can happen. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was my long tangent <laughs> into no, and- my Game of Thrones. <laughs>
0: So the lesson of the day is get yourself a writer's room and yes. be open to what other people tell you because no one person knows everything. Oh my so, god,
1: right. We are yeah. better together and we are stronger together and we create better work together.
0: Yes. Yeah, 100% and I it's bonkers to me that people think otherwise, but right. Oh my god. Just keep cash in your seven-figure advances and I guess you'll be okay
1: I know I'm I'm seriously like uh, I can't imagine how far behind I would be in so many ways if I if I if writing was not a collaborative process for me yeah
0: yeah I mean I wouldn't be here no like if I hadn't like if I hadn't made Twitter friends who became critique partners yeah If I hadn't done pitch wars and gone through the whole mentorship program, like I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have books out in the world. I would just be still writing my terrible YA dystopian (laughs)
1: books. (laughs) And nobody wants to read. (laughs) Which brings (laughs) us back to The Last of Us. (laughs) Yeah, right. Dystopian. is it it too soon for dystopian after a worldwide pandemic for some for some for me yeah i'm not there yet some people might like the mirror of it in sort of a fantasy setting like zombies but
0: yeah i can't i can't do it
1: too soon for me
0: too soon
1: um But it
0: is not too soon for our amazing guest today. Poor Dominic. I'm so sorry.
1: Sorry, Dominic, for this
0: whole intro. (laughs) I mean, I am obsessed with this book. First of all, it has the most gorgeous cover I've ever seen in my entire life. Right. Um, And it just made my little nerdy theater kid heart so, so happy
1: and my choir kid heart was yes. so, so happy. We had like the best of both worlds. Gushing over all the right notes by Dominic Lim. And Dominic was such a joy to talk to. Like I felt like we were instant friends.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, I've been calling I hope him Dom. <laughs> like I've given him a nickname and I'm yeah. like we've had one conversation, but
1: <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Good old Dom. <laughs> Good old Dom. <laughs> i'm sorry dom (laughs) we we adore you and thank you so much for coming on y'all are gonna love this episode and dominic is gonna be at summer book fest yeah oh my god yes Yes! So so if
0: you're listening to this summer book fest is in about two weeks so you can still get tickets and it's gonna be
1: amazing and dominic will be there and we will be there and it's gonna be so much fun Yeah, he'll be uh, at um, Happy Hour on Friday, July 28th, as well as Romance Day on Saturday, July 29th. So excited.
0: Yeah, and there's links to all that um, in the show notes and also in our Instagram bios. So you can check it out. Yay. All right, we will be right back with Dominic, my good buddy Dom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. So excited to introduce our very special guest today. Uh, we have Dominic Lim here with us. Dominic's debut novel, All the Right Notes, is out in the world now. Please go buy it immediately. <laughs> His stories have appeared in the Jellyfish Review. Ghost Parachute, and Solstice Literary Magazine as a finalist for their annual fiction contest. He is a member of the Writer's Grotto and is a co-host of the long-running Babylon Salon Reading and Performance Series in San Francisco. Dominic holds a Master of Music from Indiana University Jacobs School of Music, is an alum of Oberlin College and Conservatory of Music, and has sung with numerous professional early music and choral ensembles. As a proud member of the Actors' Equity Association, he has performed off-Broadway and in regional productions throughout the U.S. He works as an IP paralegal for a biotech company in the Bay Area and lives in Oakland with his loving and supportive husband, Peter, and their whiny cat, Phoebe. Love to see it. (laughs) Dominic, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank
2: you so much. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here.
0: That was one of those bios that I'm reading. That and just being like, um, "Wow, I've accomplished nothing in my life (laughs) (laughs)
1: for real."
0: (laughs) Your bio is stacked. You've done so many amazing things.
2: (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I um, I am kind of like I'm. I I, I'm so I only operate in two modes. I'm either like doing, 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 or I have to just. Lay on my back, like on the <laughs> bed or on a beach. I can't I can't maintain this sort of like happy, nice, regular flow that most people can attain. It's um it's kind of stressful to both me and my husband, I think. So
1: <laughs> there's yeah, that's how I am. No, yeah. I relate to that so much. Yeah. I, I, I always feel like after this season of like, okay, I got everything done. I, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can recalibrate now and plan how to do this better next time. But next time, it's never better. It's always rush. like, <laughs> rush, rush, rush. Okay, yeah. die for a week. Yeah. Rush, rush, rush. Totally.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> guys. Come on.
0: Overrated. <laughs> Um, okay well your amazing debut novel all the right notes which um i'm obsessed with the cover of this book because it is so gorgeous yeah um, but it is out in the world now can you tell us all about it
2: sure um <clears throat> at it's the heart of, it's a it's a gay it's a queer asian rom-com and uh, adult contemporary although it uh because it Takes place, but in two timelines: one in the present, one in the past. When the the main characters are are in high school and early college, it also sort of has a, a crossover YA, YA feel to it, <clears throat> although it's it's mainly adult contemporary. And it's about a Filipino composer and pianist named Quito Cruz, and his his relationship with a closeted Hollywood actor named Emmett Aoki. And they first meet in high school choir and um, then something happens and they don't talk to each other for a while. And then later on, 20 years down the road, they meet because uh, Quito's dad, who is the director of their high school choir, uh, is going to retire and wants to put on a big finale concert charity thing and wants his son to come back and play piano for it, but also wants uh, Quito to make sure that Emmett comes back to also sing for it uh, because he, he thinks that they're still friends, you know, that they've been best friends forever and doesn't know that they haven't talked. And so Kito has to reach back to his old flame to try to convince him, who's now a famous actor to come back to sing for this little podunk high school choir concert. So it's second chance romance. It's um, you know, it's, it's also, I touch a little bit on uh, the fact that Emmett is a, a Hollywood actor and sort of make, made that choice to be in the closet, to stay in the closet. Um, and we find out whether or not he stays in the closet or, you know, so I, I don't want to give too many too many things away. But... And there's a, there's a fun cast of characters. I think people's favorite one tends to be Kito's best friend, Ujima who is a non-binary trans uh, person, a drag queen and Quito's roommate and best friend. And they are, um, yeah, they're a lot of fun and they're patterned after basically two people that I know from my life. So uh, yeah, I, I wanted this book to be a celebration of queerness of people of color and and, and most of the characters, if not all the characters, are, are one or both of those things. So yeah, I'm it's just a fun story. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and I love Mr. Cruz. I love Juju's yeah, dad. Like yeah. he's just so like loving and ah oh, I love him funny. Thank you. The whole story yeah. is just incredible.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I um a friend of mine who is uh she's Chinese. Her um actually she's gonna be hosting my my book launch. Um I don't know if you can I th- see that poster there. Oh
1: my god, that's yeah. the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at a big poster for um Dominic's book launch and it's this gorgeous image of the beautiful cover and the book launch. <laughs>
2: it's June like a 6th Hollywood at poster. 7
1: PVHS. Yeah.
2: It's taking place at um the Pinole Valley high school because, um, if you read the book, you know, it's about a high school choir and my brother who is Filipino is the choir director at Pinole Valley high school. So his kids are going to sing to open up the book launch.
1: Are you kidding me right now?
2: Yeah. And, um, (laughs) and I'm actually gonna, I used to have my own choral group. And so they're coming back as in a reunion to sing with me for the finale of the book launch. (laughs) So I'm going to be singing, um, a part I play as well as You Raise Me Up, which takes place in the concert diegetically in the book as well. So we're all going to sing that together. The kids are going to come back from behind us and we're all going to sing that song at the end. So it is going to be like a very meta experience for people who show up to the, the book launch. By Josh Groban, You Raise yeah. Me Up. That Josh Groban, You Raise Me Up, yeah.
1: That was like yeah. the song when I was in high school choir. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so, you were in high, so you were in choir too. Yes. Yeah,
1: so you yeah. can imagine me reading this book. I'm like living a past life, and uh, <laughs> fantastic. And you're spot on with the coming of age, um, YA meets like meets the contemporary adult. Yeah. It was this really beautiful, like, sort of inner child experience of reading it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's it, it's funny when I was um, querying the book uh, to agents, it did. It was a little tricky for some. Like d- there were definitely some agents who are like, "Love the story, not really sure how to sell this because I there are not too many books that there's plenty of books that have backstory, but this one is almost solidly like half and half. So I think it did trip some people up. So I'm I'm pleased to to hear that uh, when people read it it's it's not they're not they're not too jolted you know I think. yeah yeah it flows really well yeah thank you
1: um
0: so just from what we've heard of our conversation so far I'm gathering that you drew on some life experiences in kind of coming up with this book um yeah. so can you tell us a little bit about like What inspired it? What made you want to like sit down and write this book in particular?
2: Yeah, I, well, okay. So the book itself, the origins of the book are kind of odd. They're from a short story. As I was learning to write, most of the stuff I was writing was short stories. And they were, you know, very literary short stories, not very uplifting, really. And it was a short story about a pianist who, (laughs) I kid you not, lost his lover in a terrorist attack.
1: <laughs>
2: so oh <my> God. completely <laughs> different. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> so I kept trying to ex- make this into a book and, and it just wouldn't go anywhere. And I was like, it's cause it's not me at all. You mm. know, the only thing that's in it is the music and the gay couple. And it was so, I was like, I'm, if you meet me in person, I'm very fun and joyful and uh silly so i was like i just need to write like the book that is me so it came i wrote this and i just put a lot of like you said Fallon, a lot of me is in the book a lot of the places are based on places i've been to in new york the the piano bar is based on um a Maurice crisis in new york as well as Martuni's here in san francisco the people are based on people that i know and love and i have worked with actors and composers and music directors and and my own you know family my brother my mother my father and um and my husband so there's just a little bit of like like all of us you know we write about what we know and in particular this one is for me for sure it's like when i i went to go to new york to visit my editor and um, Estelle, the publicist that, um Estelle, Forever. We love yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, she's so great. Um, I know. And we had dinner; uh, they had dinner with me and my husband. And they're like, "We feel like we already know you." I was like, "Well, you read my book, so you kind of already do." Like, that's that's me in a book. Yeah, and I, I love it when authors are able to say that, at least for their first book or or whatever, because then it's it's what a joy it is as a reader to be able to read that book and then meet the author, and they'll say, "Yeah, that's me." And it's so great because you just feel like you have this connection to that, to the writer or the author. So
1: I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, Well, hello. It's nice to meet you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to meet you too.
1: Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. So while you are writing these incredible books and going through debut year, and traveling mm-hmm. and composing. How do you balance everything with working full-time?
2: Um, I feel well, like badly. <laughs> 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 it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm <laughs> pretty tired. Uh, and, in particular, and, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this, because the expectation for the second book is, is very fast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I didn't realize it until um, Alex, my editor, emailed me like two or three months ago and was like, okay, so we need title and we need to finish, get the title for your second book and work on the cover. And I was like, you what? <laughs> She's <laughs> like, because you realize the book has to come out a year from the second book. And I was like, uh, I I didn't know. I didn't know. I should have known. And, and so I've been getting up at like 5.30, to write for half an hour before work and then logging off and then writing for two more hours because I had written the first draft, but it was like a year ago. And then all this stuff started to happen with the first book, like the, the editing and the copy editing and all this stuff. And I, I, I had the time, but I didn't have the emotional understanding because I wanted to just like luxuriate in the first book like oh this is great like editing kind of sucks but it's like this is my first it's my baby and i just want to enjoy it and and then when the publicity you know the handoff to the publicity stuff and the marketing that's a lot of energy too right Mm -hmm. and you have to do all these things and and but they're also fun and uh i just didn't have the emotional like space to work on the second one until until Alex was like, "Okay, is it is it almost ready?" And I'm like, uh, "It will be. It oh. <laughs> okay, oh, will we be. I'll figure it yeah. out." <laughs>
0: oh, that's so relatable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think especially with your second book, it's so interesting because for most of us we like work on our first book for so long, you know, like you have as much time as you want because you not contracted so you can do whatever you want with it. And so it's like, you spend, you know, most of us spend like years mm-hmm. on this first book and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, so we're going to need book two in like two months. And you're like, wait, what? I know,
2: <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think for me, it's not, um, it's not even the hours spent like um, in front of your computer or your, or your notebook or whatever. But I know for the first one, a lot of what bubbled up into the manuscript came not when I was writing, but in those spaces in between when I would take a walk like at lunch or like I was in the shower and I hadn't worked on it for like a day or two days. And you just had the chance for things to sit and go and make connections, you know, like, oh, no, I should make this person do that because that makes more sense later. But like when you're just working, 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 like your subconscious doesn't really have the chance to, to do that. So um, that's, that's what I miss a little bit from this book. But I was talking to a friend um, yesterday, the mixer and an author's mixer. And she said, you know, the trade-off is that the second time you will inevitably get more editing from your editor because it will just need it but then it becomes this wonderful more of a collaboration between you and your editor and your editor can help you help guide you with the second one whereas in the first one for me the editing was not as much because I had so much time so now it becomes more of a um, collaboration which I'm totally in for because I love my editor so yeah um, that's just just different (laughs)
1: And we and had, hopefully oh go ahead, yeah, go ahead. sorry
2: no i just and hopefully hopefully at the it'll it'll turn out as well yeah but, of course yeah, it sorry. will of course <laughs> it will
1: we had um fallon's editor gabby on when just my type uh, came out and gabby uh-huh. said the most amazing things about how the second book is when you really like you kind of already have an idea heading into it of how the author is going to work right fallon and mm-hmm. then she was saying, but when you head into the second book, it's like deepening that relationship even more, and like creating even a deeper connection. It's like really a a cool and special time
2: mm. for that oh, relationship like that. to grow. Yeah, to grow. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
2: yeah. And so it's
0: just very stressful.
1: So you <laughs> yeah, have
2: <to> depend it... <laughs> on each other. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly, like for the publicity side then the second time around, you're like, okay, I, I, I I understand, like, I get the things I get the beats that are going to happen. I know what's going to be required of me. So I'm assuming not having gone through it yet, but I'm assuming that part of it will actually be much easier. I hope that's true.
0: Mm, It's true. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of touching back on like the working part of it too, is like, I found it much easier to balance the publicity and marketing stuff with my day job with okay. book two than i did with book one just because yeah it's like i knew what to expect i knew how much time was going to be required of me um and and i knew too going in i have a little bit of an advantage because i'm a wedding planner so i make my own schedule uh, for the most part but mm-hmm. it's like i knew then like okay so don't schedule things in these weeks like block off this time and that was really helpful so that I didn't like overbook myself, which I, think yeah. I definitely did with my first book for sure. Right.
2: Yeah. I'm finding that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you'll get there. It's a learning curve for sure, figuring out how to. I mean, basically, you have two full time jobs. Yep. So that's not easy. And you got it. No,
2: it's not. <laughs> yeah. It, it is really difficult. And also, um, and I should have, and when you were reading the bio, it was like, oh, my job title had changed. Because what happened was in last year around this time, I left the company that I, I was working for a biotech company that I'd been at for almost 11 years as the IP paralegal. And, and then later on the IP manager. And I was basically managing their like trademarks and their copyrights and stuff like that. And then I moved to go to like a small startup Cause I don't know, I just wanted to change, and then a couple months later, that my boss came to me and was like, uh, "You should start looking for another job because this company is not going to be around for very much longer." That's yeah. just how it is with startup yeah. companies, you know how it is. So, luckily, my old company really liked me and said, "Come back, your position is gone because we already filled it, but like we'll make a new one for you, or like we have an old one that we've never filled." and we'll just teach you everything and we'll bring you back at the same salary rate which was fantastic and they knew about my book and they knew that they that I was going to be gone here and there and um I've known them for so long so it was like perfect but I came in and had to be trained on this totally different thing something that I didn't know you know so that's been that was also been a challenge is learning this new skill set and also trying not to piss off my employer with all the stuff. I mean, when it's great that you have the, the, your own like wedding event thing, cause you're your own boss. But I, I sort of have managers that I have to like placate and go, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get to, and I'm sorry, I've been gone for four hours, but I will do it. Um, so it's been a challenge. Yeah. I mean, just fatigue and also like eating, still eating right and still managing <sighs> to get some exercise, you know, <laughs> cause That's I don't want to look, yeah, I don't want to look like a like blah person when I'm starting to make public appearances, you know, because that's when you're more in the public eye as well. So, so much stuff. It's, uh, being adult is hard. It
1: is hard. I <laughs> like what you were saying about doing like a half hour before work and then fit, mm-hmm. just kind of like fitting it in throughout your day. Yeah. Yeah, we just do what we can, right?
2: Yeah. That's it. At the end of the day, like you can't, you're not super person. Right. I think that's the other side to it too, is for um like people who do a lot and who are overachievers, which I'm sure we all are, is also the tendency to beat yourself up if things don't get done, which I f- struggle with all the time. It's like, okay, I have a list of these things to do, which are ridiculous. There's like no, no person can get them all done. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, I, I like didn't get them all done. And then what do I do? Like I beat myself up. So it's a, it, it's a constant like struggle to, you know, per, put that person aside and go, you know, you can only do as much as you can do. And also every day be happy about the things that happen. I was talking to my friend that I mentioned at the mixer and cause she's publishing at the same time I am, she's a literary author and she's getting like all this attention, all, she's getting on all these lists. And I was, she was like, I'm struggling, you know, because it's this constant, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And I don't have the, and, I, and I'm always afraid that it's gonna go away. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Like you feel like someone writes a nice review or says something nice about you. And not only is there in this imposter syndrome, but it's also like, okay, that's probably it, right? Like no one else is going to say anything nice about the book. You know, no one else is going to notice it. Um, I don't know what that is about us that we're just afraid that it's either not real or that it's going to disappear. Maybe it's because we've been dreaming about it for so long that it's, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. hard to like open up and accept that this is, this is real, you know, you like, you can open up and accept the things as they come and be happy about them. I don't know if that's too deep.
1: No, and so. I I think it's a very real feeling, especially in debut, because I remember feeling like everything that was happening largely existed in my email or online or in pixels. And like, it wasn't anything you could like yes. tangibly hold yet. Except totally. like when your beautiful arcs come, then it starts to yeah. feel like, okay, is this something I can hold. That was created, it's happening. I think that it really starts to sink in once you see your books in stores.
2: Yeah. Once you
1: like do a signing or you meet a bookseller who's talking to you about your book and like little by little it becomes real and it transitions into this thing that you do. And yeah, I I think that's when it starts to feel real. But there is still always this side of it that's like still a little bit, yeah.
2: No. Yeah. Not fully yeah, yeah.
1: embodied. Right.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i I think you're totally right. And also since so much of the feedback that we get these days too is through social media mm-hmm. where it is constant and the only way that it can kind of stay real in our head is that constant, like like what's next? Like who's gonna say something next? You know, like you know, how do I get another mention or another like or whatever, which is, you know, when you really think about it, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's just, it's how social media sort of rewires our brain yeah. to that, you know, it has to be constant because, you know, if we're not on there for like two or three days, we just disappear into the ether and people yeah. have moved on into to something else. So, which I'm, I'm, I, so I've talked to my husband about it and he's like, Talk to me every, you know, every day and pull me in every day because, you know, I will be your anchor. You don't need to get outside, you know, <laughs> no, oh so my God. yeah,
1: we love you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> may everyone have a Peter.
2: Yeah. May yeah. everyone have a Peter. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so so true
0: though, and that's good advice to be like a little bit grounded with the real people in, yes. in your
2: life absolutely Mm -hmm.
1: I remember too when debut got to be a lot and at that point we were still actually it was pre-debut when like the contracts were coming and everything and it was all in my screen It was constantly on my screen and you know you know that saying like go touch grass I Uh. remember putting my phone down and Um, like, I don't think that's always meant in a kind way, but (laughs) I went (laughs) outside and just like started gardening and being, and like being in the sun. And it was like, I, I don't know. It made me feel alive again.
2: I love that and because, and thank you for that reminder, because for me, a lot of the times the way to, to unhook myself is not actually the most healthy. What I do is like, I sit down on the couch and I just start watching mindless TV, which is fine. Like I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's also not as good as what you said, like going out and touching the real world. Like I'm like that escape is just another pixelated screen, Mm. but like going out and talking to people and like having drinks with them or like gardening or going for a walk. That's, that's gotta be so much better for your psyche i need to do that thank you for that reminder
1: (laughs) well and i think like tv is so nice too because it's like self-soothing you know for your brain especially after you've been like outputting so much it's nice to just kind of take in (laughs) take in (laughs) but yeah there is something about just doing something that you can touch or like feel connected to physically in some way
2: yeah yeah but TV's great. Like I watch. TV.
1: Yeah, you take it with so. you. <laughs> I take audio books with me all the time.
2: Yeah. Oh my
1: god! Sometimes I'll have like the steamiest audio books playing while I'm gardening. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'll just play those loud. And I have like these two, like I don't know, like older men as neighbors, and I guarantee they're like, "What's going on?"
2: <laughs> oh, you're not listening to them on yes. your headphones. You just oh.
1: No, that gets annoying. Like, if uh, my earbuds uh, die or something, I'll just keep right. playing it. I don't care. <laughs> oh,
2: my God. A <laughs> <The> menace. <laughs> you can be like, you know how people, like, drive down the street and they're blasting their, like, music? Yeah. You just, like, go down the street and blast your romance, it. steamy, sex scenes. Only
1: the sex scenes. Turn it right.
2: up. <laughs> Only the sex scenes. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: love it. Uh, and the suburbs will never be the same. <laughs>
1: That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually that leads really well into our next topic, which is drag race. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of TV. Yes. And the ultimate I TV. love
2: drag race. I love well, my second book is a about a drag queen. So it's Are you the, kidding me? Yeah. The second <gasps> book is called Karaoke Queen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the best oh yeah
2: God. should i sorry we we almost segued into the but can yeah. i just talk a little bit about the second one I know we to about <laughs>
1: um,
2: yeah so i mean this is the book that i pitched um uh and it is the book it is um about a well i pitched it as tootsie meets kinky boots and it is about a uh well, a past drag queen, he doesn't do it anymore because of an incident that happened where he had to put the drag persona aside and sort of change himself to be more hard, to be more masculine, to be more butch, and runs into an old flame from college. He's now working at a bar that's failing. So he has this idea to save the bar by putting on a karaoke night. and then the host drops out and he realizes he needs to host it himself. And the best way to do that is as his drag persona, but he doesn't want the old the old flame to know that he is the drag queen. So it's this sort of comedy of errors where he has to figure out how to be in two places at once. And then, like, the, of course, Karaoke Night is a huge success, and so he needs to figure out how can I keep fooling the guy? He's like, well, I'll bring in a doppelganger who is a like a frenemy, kind of looks like him. He's also Filipino and teaches the doppelganger how to be a drag queen and to be him to be him or to be that drag persona and along the way sort of sees the beauty in him and like how beautiful it is to be like feminine and like to wear makeup and to embrace that and sort of in a weird way falls in love with himself or embraces that femininity and a, and so the question is and then of course starts to have feelings for the frenemy so there's this sort of love triangle. So it's like, what's going to happen at the end of the book? So that's, that's karaoke queen.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going like to need a minute. Story. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Please come um, back on the podcast. Yes. Please, please <laughs> send us this book immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Don- so much. So if yeah. you
0: said I was like, yes. <laughs> yes please do it to me now
2: yeah Al- alex my editor really wants this one guy who's um he doesn't do it so much anymore but he used to write he used to like um design um like illustrations of all like the rupaul drag queens and like they're these beautiful like drawings and she was like i'm gonna ask him to do your cover
1: oh my god
2: and, yeah So, and he, she sent me some of the pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, perfect. Like just these, you know, these beautiful, like artistic things of drag queens. Like, so, um, if we can get him, that would be awesome.
1: And let's take that like a step further and have all of like the past RuPaul drag queens and present and future, like with your book (laughs) on Instagram, just like taking photos. Like, oh, I know. Yes.
2: I know I'm like right now trying to say like, whose DMS can I slide into like now? Because all of, <laughs> all all of, of them immediately.
0: <laughs> okay. So um, what are your thoughts on all stars up until this point?
2: Well, okay. So I was out of town this past weekend. So I didn't, I actually have not seen last, this last Friday. I know, <laughs> please no spoilers. Um, but so I, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, because you know how last year was like the all winners, all stars. And it was just like, you're, you cannot top this. Like, it's just like the best of the best of the best. And I just like loved every single one of them for different reasons. And of course I love Jenks. So I'm, I'm just thrilled that she won, but yeah. But now that the new one's on is like, this is, it's just so wonderful and in a different way. Like, it's so fun to see old contestants come back that, for example, like never made it past the first round, the first week and to give them that second chance. Cause I love when people get a chance to say, okay, look, I mess up once and then, but I'm so much more than that one episode got to show. And I just love that. And, um, cause I love giving people another chance. And there, I knew that there were some, like, for example, James Mansfield, I kind of followed her afterwards. And like, she is so talented and I knew she'd be able to stay on longer. So, and please don't tell me if she got eliminated. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Are you watching and do you have any favorites or?
0: So I am watching. Courtney is still in her baby phase of drag race. We're catching her up. I know. Um, That's fine. <laughs> it's a streaming service issue. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: <laughs> um. But I, okay. I forgot how much I loved Heidi, Heidi and Closet. Oh,
1: yes. <laughs> oh, wait, I remember. Okay, I actually met them, and RuPaul was like, I think we need to change that name. Yes. <laughs> it was yes, in like the, this was the very first season yes. that, right, that right. Heidi was in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> Remember happened. that moment? Oh my god! I have yes. something to contribute. That's <laughs> so, it. That's <laughs> it.
2: Um,
1: she
2: yeah, was
0: just cracking me up. Like yeah. I am laughing so much, <laughs> and I, I hope that she wins. I feel like it's going to yeah. come down to like her and probably Candy. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And also maybe Lala. I'm liking Lala
2: too. Yeah. It's 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 so fun to like, you know, which queen. And that's also hard because sometimes a queen, you know, should win because they're just really good at all the challenges and everything. But then there are some queens who are like, they're maybe not the best at everything, but that's the person you would want to have dinner with and drinks after. Yes. So, you know. And in this case, I think Heidi actually is now becoming both. Like I think in her first season, she wasn't necessarily the one that was going to win because, but now she's gotten so much better and she's still the person you want to spend time with. So
1: boom,
2: yeah, yeah, boom.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The potential. She's the one I would be like, let's go get brunch.
2: (laughs) Oh, 100%. Oh, I love
0: that. Yeah, I'm really excited to see where it goes and i have not been keeping up with um what is it the fame Games? oh
2: history. yeah
0: i haven't been keeping haven't. up with that me neither which is stupid of me because i really liked the concept of that yeah and i thought that it was really cool that they're going to introduce that because i imagine the time and the money that they're putting into Compiling all these looks, and then you, you know, get eliminated, and then you don't ever get to show them. Like I imagine that's probably a roadblock for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I
0: would want to be on the show, but like I can't, you know, afford to do this or spend all this time on this. So I love the idea of it. I just has been bad about keeping up
2: with it. Well, no, and and it. Well, first of all, it's really hard to. There's just so much drag. Like there's, I don't know, there's one in every country now. So (laughs) it's it's so hard to keep up. Um, so I understand that, and and the for those of people who are listening who don't know what the Fame Games are, it's completely new, right, Fallon? Like this is new. It's yeah. it's this thing where the eliminated queens can sort of compete in the background um, to become I don't what is it called queen of queen of the Fame Games or something oh. like that. Yeah, but they basically get to rock the runway with all the outfits that they had brought because I had heard some crazy number like. Queen, like queens when they get on they have to like take out loans for like $35,000 just to get all their clothes together. Yeah, cuz you don't want to show up with like some janky like ass outfits and then get eliminated, right? So they go all out. And honey, these things are expensive like the stuff that they, it, unless you're a queen who sews your own stuff, yeah. Like you you have to pay and and I think that's the thing Fallon like they wanted to re- They wanted to give these queens who spent so much money on their outfits who get eliminated in week one or two oh, heart the chance to show all this stuff that they they spent their hard earned money on. Yeah. So I think it's a great idea.
1: Yeah. Does the show yeah. give yeah. them a budget? They don't contribute at all. They just provide a platform. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wow. And you can
0: win money throughout. Like you can win money yeah, in like the weekly right. challenges, and you know, like the weekly winners all get money for. But you know, a lot of people don't ever win any. Yeah, that's right.
1: So
2: especially the ones that get eliminated first. So yeah.
1: and you get yeah. exposure. Right. I, yeah. Yep. I mean, there are definitely obviously benefits, but wow, God, that's so much money.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like getting married. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's it's, yeah. it's 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 a commitment. <laughs>
1: lot.
0: Um but bless them because it is like by far the one show that I can like consistently watch and just know that like okay I'm gonna come away from this episode like feeling calm. Yeah positive. Like, you know, I'm not gonna go into it and like even though there's moments that are, you know, sometimes upsetting or hard to watch or very emotional. It's like Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day you're gonna finish watching Drag Race and be like, Yeah, life is good. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I feel that way about reality shows in which there is a artistic component. Mm -hmm. Um I mean singing shows to some extent, but I mean for like but much more like Project Runway. Like I watched almost every single Project Runway up until Heidi and Tim left. Like Because no matter, like, always, it was always different. I mean, well, the challenges started to get a little bit repetitive. But, like, the outfits were always beautiful. And, like, how can you not, and, yes, there is drama. But how could you, exactly, how could you not walk away after watching an hour of that just feel, like, totally inspired by what you saw? Just, like, the beauty of everything.
0: Yeah.
2: You know? So, and it's the same with Drag Race. You know, just the beauty and the shenanigans, which I'm also here for.
1: I was just thinking if there's ever a reality show where they have to like have writers competing, how funny like to put a time limit on writers and just watch everyone freeze at their computer
2: uh, <laughs>
1: and everyone's no, but like, hold on I have to i i hold on I have to go on instagram
2: <laughs> um how do you spell no the... but there is the and i had there was um a casting call for like the new like writing reality show that was based in san francisco i'm kidding you not and i don't know what what happened to it like i haven't heard anything like it probably completely tanked because (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) what is all
0: the footage of people in their sweatpants just not getting off the couch there's just like cats running around (laughs)
2: Like eating popcorn
0: <laughs> they're like there's not a stitch of makeup <laughs> in this entire show this is very unglamorous.
2: <laughs> anyway
1: actually now i really want to watch something like that i know <laughs> like
2: actually yeah is it real because i'm gonna watch
1: <laughs> oh my god how long ago was that casting call
2: a couple months ago, so I've, I feel like <gasps> it should be out now. You know, so I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some
1: research. <laughs> yes, this, please. What the
2: heck happened to that show? <laughs> please update us. Okay.
1: Oh my
0: god, <laughs> amazing! Let's make that happen. Okay,
1: friend. Now tell us about Broadway. Yes.
2: yes. Oh well, you know. So let me tell you about a Broadway-related story because it's mine. Oh, yes. It's my audiobook narrator. So yes. So okay, so you don't know this story. I'm telling you the story. Um to la la la, a couple weeks ago, the producer of my audiobook mm-hmm. emailed me. And I had been waiting because I hadn't heard anything about the audiobook, and she emailed me and she was like, Okay, we have the auditions for you, right? The the auditions. She was like, We have two people, one of whom was like, and I can't say who it is, uh-huh. but You know, he he like he was he's Filipino. Everyone's gonna know, and he's Filipino, and he was the voice of like probably the most successful queer rom com of all time. He has like twenty five Audi awards. Like he's done everything, and here's his thing, right? And I listen to it, I'm like, I mean, you can't like he. I don't know if he has his own studio in his bath in his house, but it's just like it was amazing. And then she's like, and then there's this other person who's never done any audiobooks at all um nothing but uh he's a Broadway veteran he's in Hamilton and he says he knows you and his name is Aaron Albano and i was like Aaron Albano we did Miss Saigon together like 20 years like 20 years ago and i was like of course i know Aaron and she, and then played his thing and it was sweet it was nice it wasn't like in the total beautiful studio and but then she, i talked i called her and i was like i know Aaron and she's like let me tell you there's something about this guy like he's just he has not no experience but there's something so natural about the way he does the books and he knows you and he can sing so we want to do like sung portions of the book because I have a song that's in the book that kind, it's kind of a theme because my book is kind of like a musical so there's a song that kind of keeps coming through called um a part I play and when it comes up in the book, he'll we'll have him sing it actually instead of just recite the lyrics. If you were to pick Aaron, it was like, of course I'm picking Aaron. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was hard because the other guy was just incredible, but I was like, yes, we're picking Aaron. We're picking Aaron. So like, he's going to be the the narr- He is the narrator. He he was like so excited. He was like sending me like snippets of the recordings and like videos that um they were taking during the session. And then, and then a week ago, so at the end of the book, the song that becomes like a co- big choral finale, right? The words are changed and everything. And so they recorded it as a choral finale. Like he sang it and like he overdubbed himself with like different choral parts. It's insane. Like, so at the end of the book, you're going to hear like the choral finale, like how they recorded it. It's like, it's, it's blowing my mind. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, That's
0: incredible. Like, yeah, I don't listen to audiobooks. I have a really hard time with like processing audiobooks, but I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to listen.
1: To
2: same, same. Yeah. I I am
1: obsessed with audiobooks, <clears throat> and I almost cried like five times listening to that story. <laughs>
2: Go, Aaron. <laughs> Go
1: in. <laughs> Can't wait to listen. Can't wait to hear the singing. Oh, my God. I was actually wondering yeah. as I was reading, I wonder if the audio will have, like, choral right. and singing in it. Because yeah, how could it, it not? It, it's only yeah. natural.
2: Yeah. And aarons he was in the original cast of Newsies. He's played King George in Hamilton on Broadway. Oh, like my he's, God. he's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, That's incredible. So cool. Yeah. It's going to be good.
0: All oh right, well, i'm a total broadway nerd um i say often on this podcast that i don't listen to any like music like popular music at all like i'm the romance writer who doesn't listen to taylor swift um, <laughs> because all i listen to are broadway cast recordings <laughs> they're the I- best they're so good <laughs> so- so what are you like, what are your top shows right now? I know that's a hard question, but like, what Oh, are you at it's, the
2: moment? it's, it's a hard question, but it's not a hard question <laughs> because I'm telling you, if you haven't listened to some like it hot, which is like the okay. new big show um, it's, you know, that old Marilyn Monroe movie, some like it hot. Okay. So they redid it. They, it takes place in the same time, same time, but they redid it to be more inclusive. Um, and in a really fantastic, like, gender non-conformative way. Oh, my God. Um, which I won't give away. But, um, and then the characters are more racially inclusive as well. The music is fantastic. So, I don't know if either of you watched Smash, the TV show that came out before. Okay, Obviously. I knew you would have followed. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, the composers who wrote all the music for Smash, and who also wrote the music for, like, Hairspray. Yeah. um, Shaman and Whitman, they wrote the music for Some Like It Hot. And they have this sound that's very, like. It's not contemporary, it's very like past, you know it's like back in the heyday, but it's just this feel good music. Anyone who ever watches the show, it's just the biggest smile on their face when they come out. It's just like every song is just fun it's like exactly what you go to Broadway for just to feel good and warm and wonderful, and every it's just and you're laughing out loud the whole time, so some like It Hot is definitely one of them, but also um. And then on the total other end of the spectrum is the revival of Parade with Ben Platt, oh. isn't it? Yeah. So I don't know if you... I love ben yeah, Platt. I don't know if I love Ben Platt. And he's fantastic. In fact, there's this whole thing and he's on stage during the entire intermission. Like he's like, there's a scene where he basically gets jailed. And because it's based on the true story of Leo Frank, who was falsely accused of basically murdering a little girl and he's jewish and he <clears throat> he was jailed and in the production they put him on stage in a jail and he stays there for like the whole thing and people are just like staring at him like taking pictures and he's just and people are like why are you doing this is because it's he's like it's my it's like my ode to what happened to him i mean he's he was in prison for like two or three years or whatever i can stand stage for 15 minutes um, I do think about going to the bathroom the entire time, but like <laughs> he's, he's, he stays on stage. And yeah, and it is it is one of these shows where it is the kind of the other range of why you go to see theater as well. It's to be challenged and to and I'm telling you, like when my friends and I and everyone's funny, everyone thinks it's a show about like an Easter parade. It's completely not. It's about this guy who was falsely accused and then later lynched because he was Jewish mm-hmm. and we all had dinner afterwards, and it was like a solid hour of talking about you, know, racism in the South, anti-Semitism, what we saw, how it was staged, you know, how certain numbers were like, you know, you know, well there are, in the beginning, it's this whole opening number of like them in Georgia singing about the glory of the South, And there are four black actors in the cast who all they did was just stand there and just stare out into the audience. Wow. It was, and meanwhile, everyone, all the white characters around them were just like, "It's a parade." The South is glorious, and they're just standing there, just, and that's all they did. Mm-hmm. They just stand out there and they just look out into the audience, and it was just that, like that those those things against each other was just it was chilling, and that's when you know you were in for a show.
1: Yeah, I got so, chills listening to that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Damn. Anyway, not to end, like not. <laughs> I should have started I should have started with that and then went to some Like It Hot. But those are my two shows right now. Amazing. Yeah, so check those out.
0: Yeah. I haven't I um, was in New York in February and some Like It Hot was like one of the shows that I was like, Oh, I should maybe go try to see that. Um but I was shocked at how expensive even the like same day tickets were. I was I like, know. what is happening right now? Like I haven't. I know. Like I go to New York at least once a year to see shows and the first time that I was like, I'm sorry, what?
2: (laughs) It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's always been bad and that's, you know, that's always like, what it's such a barrier for low income, especially people of color to be able to see Mm -hmm. musical theater or opera or ballet or the symphony or anything like that. Cause it's so expensive and it's really hard. And it's such a shame. Um, and I think it is getting more expensive. I think you're right. And I, I don't know what that is, but maybe they're just yeah. trying to recoup from being closed down for so many years. That
1: was my yeah. thought too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that didn't help the situation at all. But yeah, because like, yeah. normally what I normally when I'm going to New York, I'm like, okay, I buy tickets for like one show ahead of time that I'm like, this is like my priority show. I have to see it. And then uh-huh. I just get day of tickets for yeah. you know, whatever else while I'm there. But I was like, these day of tickets are more than what I paid for. My Gosh, yeah. Wild. I know. Um, But I will say, so uh, we went to see Moulin Rouge. That was the show that. I oh, liked, so good. Even though I had already seen it, but it was when Aaron. <laughs> Aaron Tveit was back in it. So I was like, well, I have to do
2: it again. So- He's so hot. <laughs> yeah. So
0: my husband was there and I was like, you know, you're not the biggest musical fan. So you can look at some dancers in lingerie and you'll be yeah. <laughs> um,
2: But Sex sales, baby. <laughs> you're right. you're Turn it hot. up and run- and drive down the street with it.
0: but we did so moulin rouge i don't know if other shows in new york have this um like the vip room for moulin rouge oh the best thing to happen to broadway in a long time it was like fifty dollars per person okay you got a glass of champagne you could get into the theater early and then Mm -hmm. you had your own special room and like i think max is like 20 people Oh. And the room has its own bathroom.
1: Oh my god. Oh,
2: that is worth it in and of itself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fifty oh bucks god. all day long.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. show, and then at
0: intermission, you could go back and you could order drinks ahead of time, oh so that like god. when you got there after intermission, your drinks were just like waiting for you at your table, and then you had your own private bathroom for intermission. Oh my god. It was amazing.
2: I did not know that. I wonder if other shows are doing that or maybe if it's just for that. I got to figure that out.
0: I was like, this is the best thing I have ever spent $50 on. And I would do totally. that in a
2: heartbeat. Just totally. for
1: the bathroom. Wow. <laughs> I just,
2: I, literally, I that, just yeah, for yeah, the bathroom. Really, on
1: top of it. So. <laughs> like,
2: you don't want to yeah. wait in that like long line in intermission that like stretches all the way down two floors. I swear to God, when we went to go see a Parade, it was like <laughs> both things were like, yeah. this way down the staircases
1: the, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. of the bathroom line yeah. yeah it's
0: um i mean they're old theaters and they're not necessarily <laughs> made to hold that many people i mean it's like you have that many seats but i imagine back in the day they weren't always filled and uh, yeah
2: oh although i did oh and i should have mentioned this too because um I know we're running the time, but like the show, and Juliet is my other third Ooh. favorite. So, and Juliet is a retelling of like, what would have happened if Shakespeare had rewritten the story of Romeo and Juliet for like uh, Juliet not to die. And she goes on to try to find her true love. And it's all like modernized. And all the songs are like written by Max Martin who wrote all the songs for like Britney Spears, the Backstreet Boys. Like oh, fun. it's all these like amazing hits, right? And the reason why I bring this up is it's in a totally new building. So their bathrooms are like big and gender inclusive. So it is this sort of weird thing where like men and women are in line together to try to use the, the what was the men's bathroom. So there's this line of urinals, but there's like a curtain around. them. Nice. <laughs> it was very strange to navigate. It's like, okay, uh, okay, I, I will use, but I'll get behind this curtain. So... <laughs> But it did go a lot faster.
1: That's (laughs) awesome. I love that. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm obsessed with Anne Juliet. I saw it in London and.
1: Uh, Oh, okay, Fallon. I saw it in London. Oh.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) when I was in London, (laughs) I just happened to see this show called Anne
1: Juliet. (laughs) 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 That's amazing, (laughs) Fallon. Oh, my God.
0: But yeah, it's amazing. I'm a Shakespeare nerd, so I was like, okay, this is the best thing ever
2: totally so good
0: all right well we do got to let you go here but before we yeah. do um can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on the interwebs
2: sure you can find me on dominiclim.com and you can also find me at i am on instagram at jdominiclim and i am also on twitter at <laughs> j_dominic_lim <laughs> Nice. It's like, come on. Can you just give me my actual name? <laughs> it was too late. <laughs> Whatever. You can just go to my website.
0: It's okay. Twitter is imploding anyway. so You're right. You know, <laughs> all good. <laughs> Dominic, thank you. This has been amazing. I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. So.
2: I'm telling you. Wait, are you guys going to be at Steamy Lit?
1: Yes. Yes, we are.
2: Oh no! And I'm also going to see you guys for the the, the Valencia yes, thing, we're right? Yes,
1: we going to see you in July. So, so excited! Party. Oh my god! <laughs> so much partying! Okay.
0: It's like yeah. I going to a couple weeks in between to recover Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna need it. <laughs>
1: okay. Blasting okay. so show new, tunes new then. Yes. <laughs>
0: Courtney will be blasting her sex scenes
1: and (laughs) (laughs) Juliet, and Love it. Well, this was the best way to start the day. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Thank you guys so much. All right. And thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at happy to meet cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K K A E on all social media platforms. And you can find me Fallon Ballard at Fallon Ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to Zachary Kibby and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time.